Hey everyone, welcome to Huron Chapel. We're so glad you could join us for this podcast series called Follow, an Invitation to an Abundant Life. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and please feel free to share this with your friends. Enjoy today's podcast. You know, honestly, this has been a great week. I... The very first message I spoke here uh, was on August 14th, 2011, and it was on the res- a recipe for surprises. Because once in a while, I'm like a kid with God. I come to the Heavenly Father, just give me a surprise. And in Acts chapter 3, there's like this recipe that I follow and at the, for surprises. Well, Tuesday, I said, God, I woke up. I said, God, just be, let those, this be one of those days where you just give me some surprises. And God gave me six. Not one, but six. And I'm not going to share them with you because this isn't about a time to to share that, but I'd love to talk to you about them. And then, you know, yesterday, I'm going to talk a little bit more. Yesterday was an amazing day of surprises. And it started, well, we had a good men's breakfast, and Roland shared his testimony. I was expecting that. But then later, Roland and Grace showed up and said, let's go for a country drive. That, I love country drives. And they said, well, let's go over to where I used to live, over in Blue Mountain, where Glenn and I lived for 12 and a half years. And so we drove over there, the Blue Mountain, and... We drove down the familiar roads that Glenn and I drove down for 12 and a half years and where the kids learned to ride their bikes. We saw the house we built back tucked in the woods and later went by the church, which, by the way, Roland Grace, you don't realize, it's 29 years ago today I started my ministry in that church. So it was really fitting that we went there. And it was so exciting to see that. And then they said, well, let's go. We're going to go down for supper in the Collingwood. And where would they choose to go for supper? Chinese buffet. <laughs> I mean, this day is getting better and better and better. And not only was it a Chinese buffet, but they had seafood at this Chinese buffet. And people, you take pictures of your kids, I take pictures of my food. So there's a picture coming up, there it is. I got, we got sushi, we got shrimp, we got, there's lots of lobster claw, there's, there's scallops, there's mussels. And they had the other kind of sushi too, not just California rolls, that was round two. It was so good. And then to make, and to make things even better, we met, we went in the restaurant, uh, the hostess was a lady who used to attend our church there, and we got to catch up with her. And as we were eating, another couple came over, and it was a couple who had been part of our ministry in Kalapur, and they thought it was us, and said, that's Mark and Glenn, they came over, and we greeted them, and this is a picture of them, uh, there's Terry and Cliff, and they were so excited to see us, and we were so excited to see them, and they spoke such warm, kind words of encouragement. That I mean, all of you need this to have in your life. So I'm going to come and just say, this is how you impacted me for Christ. I would hope all of you have that chance. It was a highlight of the day, such a beautiful, wonderful day, uh, before we came back over to uh, here again. And I just want to thank Roland and Grace for making a decision to say, let's do something different today, and let's celebrate. And then now we're here on anniversary Sunday. It's getting better. And guess who came today? You did. You showed up and we're celebrating and we are so grateful for this church. How This is God's church and we get to watch what God does in our midst. And I just sometimes watch, sit back and go, man, awesome God, awesome what you're doing. You know, we, we keep talking about ministries or we talk about children and VBS and we see how he's blessed us with children. We're grateful for him for how he surprised us with so many new people recently and the 25 members that come into church. And we see how busy the calendar is with ministry events. We see the beautiful decorations that Jenny has put here this morning for us. And we just say, God, you are just doing amazing things in our midst. We're so grateful for that. And now I'm going to build right up. And now for this sermon, I'm going to talk about the most rousing, interesting subject of sin. Bring it. Oh, yeah. Some people go, no, no. 
Don't do that. I hate when the pastor talks about sin. He's going to make me feel terrible about myself. He's going to point at me and say things, and I'm not going to point at you. You'll find out why later. But, but I want to, we're on this series called Follow. And you remember when Bob Bramhill was here a few weeks ago? He talked about depression. And he said he liked talking about depression. He was even excited to talk about depression. Because he saw how people came to him as a counselor. And how God delivered them. How God worked in their life. And he got to see that and experience that. He goes, I love this. And the same way it is with sin. Yeah, sin, there's this part that we're going to talk about that, that holds us back. But how exciting it is when we, when we discover and realize that God will set us free from that. And I've seen people delivered from that. And it's so wonderful, so exciting that why wouldn't we talk about sin and how we can overcome that and how through God He can deliver us from that. So we're going to look at that today. Um, I'm going to go with Bob Bramhill's attitude and say, let's get excited about sin today on the other side. So Psalm 48, 84.11 says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. God does not want to withhold good things from you in your life. Isn't that good to know? He, and I, and I believe you and I, we're ready for good things. We're ready for God to say, God, just bring it on. Just, just, I just want to receive from you all the surprises, all the good things you would have for me and for my church. But what will prevent that from happening is this idea, this truth about sin in our life that separates us from God, prevents God from blessing us. And so, of course, we need to talk about sin because in your sermon notes you'll see sin seeks to rob us of every good blessing God designed for us. It wants to steal from you, take from you, withhold from you. And in James we read this, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Every good thing is from Him. But on the other side, the Bible warns us in Jeremiah, Your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful things. Your sin has robbed you of all these good things. So, of course, we're going to talk about sin. If it's going to rob us and deprive us from all the things that God wants to give with us, why would we ignore that? Why would we pretend that's not an issue? Here are some of the good things we can know and experience from God that would, sin would prevent, but we can know once He delivers us. Romans, but now you are free from the power of sin. That's where we're seeking to be. Now become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result... In eternal life. That's a big one. Remember last week we talked about holiness. means that you are separated totally unto God. It's not God and something else in my life. It's not Jesus and this blank or fill in the blank here. It's God first. And when we put God first, He says, I'll just take care of all the other things that you tend to worry about and stress out about. Uh, you know, you, you can stress out about finances or family or your health or your church. You just put me first. Seek me first my kingdom, my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Here's another good thing we read. Acts says, Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus there is forgiveness for your sins. That's good because only Jesus can offer that and give that to you. Everyone who believes in him, listen, is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. The law of Moses referred to the commandments. And you could follow those commandments. If you ever could follow them perfectly, which you can't, and you still would not be made right before God. There would still be sin in your life. If just following those commandments made you right before God, Jesus would never have had to come. But he had to come because it didn't work. And so Jesus came to forgive us our sins if you would let him do that and ask him to do that. 
And so um, we're grateful for that, re- that we can be made right in God's sight through Christ. And one more, and Galatians says, so Christ has truly set us free. Free. So according to the Bible, just, just these few things, if you would rather experience freedom over bondage, if you would rather be found right before God instead of guilty before God, if you would like to know eternal life instead of eternal death, then you don't want sin in your life. This, these things rob you and steal from you. They prevent you from knowing what God wants to give you. So you, of course you want to deal and know and speak and listen and pray about sin in your life. So you want to be set free from sin through Christ because Christ, on the other hand, leads us to eternal life, leads us to being right before God, leads us to freedom. So we're going to talk about sin a little bit today. And just to make sure you know what I'm, we're referring to, sin, I guess an easy definition would be to miss the mark. Uh, the mark in this case is the standard of God, uh, His perfection established by God, and evidence in the life of Christ. And if sin is missing the mark of level of, of perfection of God, evidence in Christ, then all of us would, uh, would have to say, yeah, I, I've sinned. I've missed that mark. And in case you think you can try to say that, no, I haven't, the Bible said, well, yes, you have in Romans 6.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of that mark. Fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us have been separated from God. That's what sin does. We've fallen short, and that sin has robbed us from experiencing the good things God wants us to know and have in life. However, we don't have to remain in that lost state, in that separated state. Our sin doesn't have to define the rest of our lives, because there is hope, there is freedom, there is a future for a sinner like you and I. And today we're going to look at two sinners in the Bible. They happen to be father and son. And the father and the son we read about, Mark read about earlier today, they both fell short, missing the mark big time, really through the same kind of sin. And we read about them earlier today, but let me read them again. Uh, this is what we read. In Solomon, the father, in Solomon's old age, they talk about the women who he married, who allowed him to, to pull away from God. Uh, they didn't follow God. They turned his heart to, to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David, his son, had been. And then it says in verse 6, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely. That's holiness. Totally set apart. It's not God and some other little thing in my life. And as his father David had done. So both Solomon and David sinned in their life. They both, however, finished life differently. Both were led astray by the sinful desire of women, uh, but instead of being labeled uh, evil in the sight of God, David was labeled in Acts as a man who was after God's own heart. Solomon, on the other hand, saw the blessings of God removed from his life. Both had sinned, and yet they finished completely different. Why is that? And this is where we need to take notice if we want to be free from our sins, which would hold us captive, which keep us separated from God, and receiving and realizing all the good things He would love to give us and help us, even in times of storm and trial, He wants to give us. If we want to finish our life well, we need to listen. And the reason for the different outcomes is because David's response to sin was so different than Solomon's response to sin. David owned his sin. Solomon continued in his sin. That's it. Both sinned. One said, I'm going to own this. I'm going to see how he did that. One said, no, I'm just going to continue in it. It's going to be God and something else. So David chose to repair this rift, this separation he caused in his relationship with God. And he did it this way, three ways. Confessing his sin. Repenting of his sin. 
and by returning back to God. Confessing his sin, repenting of his sin, seeking to be restored and, and help God to change his life, and, and returning back to him. And in Psalm 51, we actually see David doing this. And if you would even take a moment to open up your Bibles to Psalm 51, I think it would be worth us doing that this morning. Uh, you just take your Bibles and open up in the middle, you'll get close to the Psalms. And we're not going to read all the Psalms, though I would encourage you, and I know pastors say that, but encourage you to take the moment this afternoon and read through all of it. See how David responded to sin in his life, and how it helps us to understand how we need to respond to sin in our life if we're going to finish well in life. So we won't read the whole Psalm, but I want to take a few lines just to, just to show us how David responded to sin in his life, how he took ownership of it. So number one was confession. Look at verse 3. Psalm 51, for I recognize my rebellion. Look at verse 4, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. David is taking ownership here. He doesn't make excuses for what he has done. He isn't trying to blame others for what he has done. He isn't wanting to say, that person has made me miserable. God, I am alone responsible for my rebellion and for my sin. And I wonder if this morning, if that's the place you need to to be always need to start there. Maybe today you'd say, you know what, there's an area that I need to start here. Number two, repentance. David, David seeks restoration. He doesn't want to continue in this sinful life. And he knows only with God's help can he do that. If this is going to, going to be a reality in my life, then look at verse 7. God, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. No other way can it can be done. Only If I want to be clean, only God you can do that in my life. And I want to live that life, so restore me. Uh, and then verse uh, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. David wants to return back to what that joy that he had, but he knows that only God can restore that to him. Lord, I want to repent. I want to change the direction of my life. Would you help me? I want to be clean. I want to be joyful. This is, I want to repent of what I've, what I've done against you. I want a new direction. Would you help me live this? And then returning to God, it's a, it's a lifestyle of honoring God. This isn't just a decision, you go back to where you were. Verse 13, he says, Then, once I confess and you restore me, I will teach your ways to the rebels. And they will return to you. So David's going to live a life where he teaches God's ways to others. Verse 14, Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. I will praise you. I will worship you joyfully, Lord. So you can see David, if you read the whole psalm, you'll see him confessing and seeking restoration and, and, and returning to God. And then we look at Solomon, his, his, his son, who refused to confess and repent. Look at verse, well, it's up on the screen in your sermon notes. It says, The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. Now listen to this. He warned Solomon. So this didn't come out of the blue. This isn't like, What? He warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods. Here's Solomon's response. But Solomon did not listen. Not listen to God's command. And as a result, Solomon's legacy would not be all that God designed it and had planned it to be because he refused, he would not listen. Now the purpose of looking at this, this, all of this this morning is not that we just have some more Bible knowledge or say that's interesting or that's kind of you know, good to know, but it's that we may apply what David did 
to our own lives, that we'd make it personal, that we would examine our life and say, God, where do I need to be like David and confess and repent and return to you? Because so much is at stake. I heard that you want to you want to give me eternal life. I hear, God, you want to give me good things. And, and Lord, there's so much to lose if I don't do that. And there's so much to gain if I would do that. I don't want to be like Solomon who refused to listen, but like David who listened. It was a man after your own heart. So let me begin by saying this. I learned this about myself, so I'm just going to share it, and it's probably true of you as well. I believe it is. We can be masters of deflection when it comes to own our own sin. We do this by confessing the sins of others on their behalf. Isn't that nice? Because as long as you're able to focus on what you perceive as sin in someone else's life, you don't have to stop and look and deal with the sin in your life. You're just too busy talking, you know, looking at them and complaining about them and, and saying the sin and, and pointing out their problems to look at your own. And you like it this way. But here lies one of the great ironies of being the accuser of sin. This is so important. The sin you see in someone else, which causes you to become angry, will often be the same sin you are struggling with in your own life. Did you know that? You refuse to own it. You refuse to face it. And so you just call it out in the lives of others. And it causes you to be angry and indignant. But really, you know, and you're not willing to admit it. It's because of what that same sin is in your life. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. And in trying to fix the adulterous situation so he could marry Bathsheba, he basically had Uriah killed. David sinned. He just carried on. Not owning his sin until the prophet Nathan came to tell him the story. Let me tell you the story. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised the little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. David was furious, it says here in the Bible. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole for it, having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. I'm talking about you. Who took another man's wife. One of your soldiers. You with so many. And took his wife. And had him killed. David became so angry at the sin of this rich person. Who stole from the poor. Not realizing. That's exactly what he had done. He committed that sin. He took Uriah's wife. He even took his life. The thing is, you reveal a lot about yourself when you accuse others. 
Have you ever noticed how God designed us, our hands, such a way that when we point at someone and criticize them, there's one finger pointing at them and there's three pointing back at us? I love how God does that. We're really pointing out in someone else a problem that we have in our life many times. Jesus taught this principle this way. He said, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? That's this, this finger right here. When you have a log, the three fingers pointing at you, in your own. How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when, when, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And we're able to own up to your sin and you confess it and you repent it and return to the Lord. You are now in the position to help someone else struggling in that same area. Instead of getting angry at them and all indignant about them, you do what Galatians 6 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And hopefully, like David, they will listen. Hopefully, like Solomon, they won't just. Harden up against you. Instead of trying to harm that person's life, you gently, humbly help to restore them because you know you're a sinner too. You've just been saved by God's grace. And you know what that means. You know what that, how what you experience. And now you're wanting others to come and know that as well. Dr. Henry Cloud wrote this. He said, if, if, if I sin, I want you to help me. Not get back at me. If I fail, that is exactly what I need you to do. I need you to do better, not worse. If I fail, that is exactly what I need you to do better, not worse. So conclusion. This morning we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to pray Psalm 139.24. I was the same psalm that we heard Roland share yesterday at our men's breakfast. And, and I told them we're going to be hearing that tomorrow so that God is in this. And the psalm has you and I asking God this. If we would pray this and mean it, as David, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, I'm giving you permission to search me, examine my heart, and point out anything that offends you, anything that's keeping you from blessing, through working through me. Uh, God, if, if, if I'm like Solomon, please, I do not want to live, live my life finishing poorly. I want to be like David who finishes it well. Though sin is a man after God's own heart. And when you know, and we're not confessing sins on the behalf of others today. As much as we like to do that. We're not telling God what others have done to offend me. We're making it personal between God and us. And like Solomon, you can come before the Lord and just harden your heart and refuse to listen. Or hopefully like David, you take the path and say, I'm going to take ownership of this today, God. By confessing it, that might be the hardest part just to admit, this is, this is me. What I've been seeing in others and calling out in others, this is me. Repenting from your sin, God help me because I want to change. I want to live differently. And returning to him, living for him. And that's so important because there's so much at stake. You can come here week after week. And year after year, and never deal with that issue of that sin in your life. You hear some songs, and you put some money in the plate, and you serve all the while ignoring and denying this major sin issue in your life. I think I love the the, oh, the illustration that Francis Chan gives on this. He brings a whole huge bag of manure on the stage, 
And so this is what it's like. You have this sin in your life, and it's huge, and you ignore it. And he goes around and starts dusting off little things. Like we go around the house dusting little things while we're ignoring what's happening here. We gotta, we need to deal with it, not with a little duster over here, but with a shovel right here. What is the sense of doing a few religious things? We're not dealing with the thing that keeps us from knowing and experiencing freedom in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to have uh, us pray before the Lord. Lynn's going to play for us. I just want you to bow your heads again. I just want want to begin praying by talking with you and bringing the Lord into our midst as we close this anniversary service today. It's such an important issue. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to ask yourself this very simple question. I want you to ask it for yourself. What sin have you been refusing to face in your life? What sin have I been refusing to face in my life? I, boy, it's caused me to stir up anger when I see it in others. And God, today, I, how hard it is to admit that this is really me that I'm angry at. The time has come that I would own up to my sin and not deflect by pointing to others and removing the spotlight off me and to them. But God, today I want to come with the spotlight on me. And you know what that sin is? You know God knows it. Probably no one else knows it, but we're not talking to anybody else. We're talking to God today. We want that freedom in Christ. Question number two is, why carry, continue to carry this burden? Why would you leave here today and not deal with it again? David became so angry at the sin of that rich person who stole from the poor, not realizing that he was guilty of it. And we could be here today and say, Lord, I... That's me. What would what would cause you not to deal with it? Is it pride? Are you going to let pride stand between you and God and what He wants to give you and what you can receive? Will it be shame because to admit that to God and maybe to someone else that you trust that, that you're going to allow that to stand between you and God today and all that He would give in to you? So would you give permission come before God and say, search me and show to me any way that offends you today. Would you confess it? Would you take ownership of it? And from the cry of your heart, when you can name that sin, when you can make it your own, would you, like David, seek to repent of it? And you know that you cannot do it on your own. We know that already. So God, if I want to be purified, made clean, if I want to, I want to live uh, with the joy of your salvation in my heart, I'm going to need your help. I need you to work in my life and help me. And because I've tried it on my own, and I just can't do it. I want it, but I need your help. It's like David, you say, Lord, restore to me, restore to me, God, purify me, God, help me to live a life that honors you.
Can you pray that and mean that this morning? To show others who God is, to praise Him not just through motions but from the heart, to worship Him at home, in school. And maybe you've never done that before and today you're asking Him to come in your life for the very first time. He wants to do that. He wants to turn the destination of your life from eternal death to eternal life. And then David finally said, Lord, I want to return to you. I've confessed, I've repented, I've asked you to help restore my life. And God, I want to live teaching others about you, showing about you, joyfully worshiping you, God. I just, would you pray that, seeking God, I want my life to count for you. I want to live it for you today. There's so much at stake. Trust me in that. So much at stake. What we can gain and what we will lose. If we'll finish well like David, though we have sinned, or finish not so well like Solomon, who refused to listen, though God warned him and told him he refused. We pray over you, Lord. I would pray our hearts would be softened, that we not just hear the words of a man, but we hear you speaking to us today. That's where the help comes from. That's the power today, God. And you are speaking to us this morning on this 40th anniversary Sunday about me, about you and me. And Lord, today there's been a sin. You know it. I know it. And I'm taking ownership of it. I'm even naming it to you, calling it out. And God, I just pray that you would help restore me. Purify me. Walk with me. That I may live for you, God. Because you're a good, good father. You're a God who gives your kids surprises. Thank you. You're a God who does not want to withhold any good thing. We read that, and these are your words, and we say, yes, I believe that today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open doorway for you to enter into our community. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. Please remember to visit HuronChapel.com for more information about our church.